You're listening to FMGRadio.com. Hi, I'm Chef Tita Joe with Splendor in the Raw. I have with me today Pete Sirqua, and Pete is a personal trainer and author of the 90 Second Fitness Solution. Well, Pete, welcome. I know that you are such a busy guy, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to just sit down and and talk with me for a few minutes. Um, The first thing I want to do is just really congratulate you on this amazing book. This book is fabulous, The 90-Second Fitness Solution. I have, like set up night after night just really going through it it's obvious to me that you put your heart and soul into this book tell me what was the driving force into really writing down your thoughts in this book well thank you so much for having me on your show this is really great i'm very excited to be here um this is my heart and soul this is 25 years worth of work it's even more years than that as a passion and an interest um i think there's a lot of information out there that needs to be questioned and at, at some point in time, I needed to get it down on paper and share share my findings with everybody. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's really it's really a big deal to me to get this information out there. It's it really is amazing. It truly is. I think that I liked um, really the most is that your advice is just really simple, straightforward, no BS about it. And th- th- I think that approach is just really refreshing. It's it's really funny that it came full circle in a way, when I started to analyze exercise programs, and specifically for women, um, it it really came down to uh, a matter of time. Uh, The seconds were very, very important. Mm -hmm. I I started to find out how many seconds were wasted in the average workout, and it was a tremendous amount. It was ridiculous. And I sat in gyms uh, for many, many days and months with paper and pencil and stopwatch, and just made notes and watched people work out. And uh, then I started to apply math to it and found out that, hey, this is a mess. We can, we can, we can do much better than this. And, and that's why you have the program in, in front of you. It's, it, it's consolidated. Oh, it, and it really is amazing. I, I have to tell you that I love the plank exercise. I have very little upper body strength and can honestly, I can't do a push-up to save my life, which is really embarrassing. But I can hold that 90-second that ninety second plank, you know, and that, I mean, it, it was a struggle for me. It was, it took me a week to get there. I'll, t- I'll be really honest. I, I could do 30 seconds, then 60 seconds. Now I'm like 90 seconds, and it sounds so wimpy, but it's not. It's tough. It's not wimpy. You know it's what? Let's not. talk about this for a little bit. This is important stuff. What you just said is huge. You said, I can't do a push-up, but I could do the plank, and I worked up to it. Well, let's, first of all, I changed the rules for you. Not for you, but for all of us. And you want to know why? Because the old rules sucked. They, they were terrible. <laughs> they were the worst in the world, right? right? It's like you said you can't do a push-up. Well, I can't jump off a four-story building effectively. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's just not big deal. So you can't do a push-up. You want to know, I, I had a young man come into my studio this morning for a workout, and he came down from Canada to meet with me. I'm in New York City. And he said, you know, he's a very trim guy, 130 pounds, and he's 40 years old. And um, he said, you know, I'm having a lot of trouble with my push-ups. My shoulders are killing me. I said, you know what? We've been conditioned to believe that we're supposed to be able to do things that we're not supposed to be able to do. Who cares that you can't do a push-up? Can you do a plank? He said, yeah, I love doing your planks. I said, then then just do the plank. The rules have changed. Seconds matter. 
Seconds are very important. If you can hold something for 10 seconds today and 12 seconds tomorrow, you have made progress. I don't know where it all came in, into play that we had to move around like flailing idiots to get exercise <laughs> in. That's not true. You don't have to do it. Stand still for a second. Thank God. I'm relieved. I really am. This the, I, Again, that's why your book is so refreshing because anybody can do it. I mean, I can do this, and that's refreshing for me. You know, I've been um, a runner gosh, all my life, and my, my legs are really very strong, but again, when it comes to the upper body, I don't have it, so I'm really excited about getting some upper body strength without, you know, becoming a muscle woman. Well, and on top of that, for you to add a wall sit and my magic knee exercise into your running program. That magic knee. Right? Okay, that now that's thing is something it's, else. You're telling me that you're strong and you're fit, and that's great, And I, but I want you to be strong and fit when you're 65, 75, and 85 years old, too. So if you throw three minutes a week of a few little things, magic knee, wall sit, you're going to keep your hips and your knees and your ankles in great shape for, for the later years. we got to train for the long term, not for just this week and this month and this year. We got to, we're training to be 90 and phenomenal. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, some of the other uh, advice that you gave in your book, I, I really just can't tell you how much I love this book because I really do. But a lot of it really made sense to me. Um, like you talk about work out first and do everything else second. I have um, a mantra that's really mine, and I call it RPM. It's rise, pee, and meditate. So now <laughs> I'm going to have to add RPMW, rise, pee, meditate, and then work out. Okay. So I love it. I really love it. Um, you can even probably multitask and do the <laughs> and meditating at the same time. Right? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I could do the magic knee. Um, some of the other advice that you gave, um, again, I really feel like you have the, your pulse on, on women. You know, you talk about the going shopping and going and buying, you know, that killer outfit. How did you come up with some of this stuff? I mean, it's brilliant. Well, you know, I'm your average red-blooded male, and uh, – and women have been trying for years and years and years to get into this one specific dress. Mm -hmm. And men men have been trying for years and years and years to get the women out of that dress. So <laughs> I figured, you know, let me see if I could put a few things together and make everybody happy. So, but, it's great. You know, it's a goal. It's just a simple goal. If you mm -hmm. go get that pair of jeans or if you go get that skinny black dress and you put it on and it's snug and tears come to your eyes, and it happens. I get a phone call. I get an email with a, from from a lady that will say, hey, listen, you know, I was really upset this morning, very depressed. I tried to get my jeans on, and I couldn't close the button. And I get all fired up. We can do this, and we can do this this week. You can go on my skinny black dress diet for a weekend, and we can drop four pounds with a very, very, very healthy juice fast that will clean out your system and put raw foods in your diet. And we, we could add a little bit of strength training that won't pump your muscles, and I want to talk to you about that. And, and we can do this. So I just, I just get you know, all fired up, and I want them to make their goals. And you need to have a goal. If you don't have one, why are you doing this? Exactly. No, I, I'm a big believer in goals. I, I, I thoroughly believe that if we write them down, we make them real. If we don't write them down, if we just keep them in our head, it just, you know, it doesn't, they don't come true. That's right. Yeah, That's right. You've got to be proactive about it. Exactly. Pete, you've been in this business for a really long time. When did you, when did you start the 80s? I started in the 80s when I was four years old. <laughs> uh, I look, yeah, I look terrible for my age. Uh, uh, 
No. I've been interested in this, believe it or not. I've been interested in this since I was eight years old. That's amazing to me. I'm 46 years old now. When I was eight, it was almost like a calling to me. I thought a stronger body was a healthier body. And there was no evidence to support that back in the 70s when I took this up as an interest. My dad has always been a big, strong, healthy guy. Uh, to this day, he's 73 years old, and I still wouldn't uh, piss him off because he's just a powerful guy. Always used it weightlifting as a tool. And, and even though he played tennis and he would he would run and he's been in the marathon twice, um, weightlifting was his core tool to, uh, uh, or a vehicle, so to speak, to get him to these other places. And that just made sense to me. Like this, this is like breathing, drinking water, and paying tax, taxes. You, you've got to do a little strength training every week. It's important. And I used to fantasize as a kid about sharing this information with people who were not interested in it, like grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins that were just, you know, in it, you, you wouldn't think, you, like, you know, weightlifting back in the 70s, the football players and the football coaches wouldn't touch it because they thought it made you muscle-bound and it would make your athletic performance fail. That and you now be able we all move. Right. That's right. But we right. all know that that's not true, right? It took 20 years later, and now every, if you don't weightlift, boy, you're really not part of the program. Exactly. But now it's more, you know, now we're showing uh, there's great research out there. You could be 85 years old and take it up and get a phenomenal result. There's no age limitation to this. You can get in the game anytime, anytime you want. So it's important. Everybody's got to do it. I love it. I really do. You um, you own and operate four gyms in New York City. You've become one of the most respected and in-demand fitness trainers in New York. And now you're an author, Pete. You're an oh, author. It's, it's crazy, so, isn't it? I, it is amazing. So you've got this incredible list of achievements. How does it feel when you look around or you walk into one of your gyms? Or how does it feel when somebody, you know, asks for your autograph in your book? It's why you know what I'll tell you a funny story. When we were we went to Barnes and Noble one day to do a book signing, and my son was with me. He's 11 years old, and and I was signing copies of books. And when we got done, I I said, Hey Nicholas, what do you think about that? Dad was signing his autograph. He said, You know, Dad, that's pretty pretty great, but don't let it go to your head. So, <laughs> so that, that's advice from a, from an 11 year old. Um, it's crazy. It's surreal. But I, you know what? I'm a personal trainer first and foremost, and that will never stop. Mm-hmm. And until they nail me shut, I'm a trainer. The fact that I wrote a book is phenomenal, and I am so honored to be sharing this information with many more people this way. But I'm a trainer first. I get up and I and I go to work. And I actually, in, in just the last few months, I've consolidated and don't own four gyms anymore. I'm focusing on just one brand new location on 55th Street in Manhattan. It's my new flagship studio, which has got state-of-the-art equipment in it and um, a lot of toys that we that we want to play with and, and do further research into the programs. Um, so I've been focusing my attention there because I just can't do it all anymore. But um, that's fabulous. Uh, but I'm a trainer. I'm a tra- I get up and see my clients every day. That's amazing. You know, I read something um, somewhere. I, I'm going to bring you back to your sons because this this absolutely melted my heart. Um, there was a question somewhere. Um, I think it was something like um, they asked you to describe perfect happiness or what your your thought on perfect happiness was, and you said it was watching your son laugh so hard that you had to remind him to breathe. Yes. Oh. Yep. That's <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's. That's it. You know, um, I saw a line. Somebody wrote something uh, on a website about raising children, and raising children raises us. 
um, and truer words have not been written or spoken. It's uh, if you have the luxury and the and the the pleasure of being a parent, it's a big deal. But it's it's watching them laugh so hard where you have to tell them to cheer up and you know, hey, hey, take a breath, pal. Take a breath, right? <laughs> it's fabulous. Uh, you have two fun. boys. I have two boys. One's eleven and one is two. Wow, that's amazing. So the eleven-year-old, do you take him into the gym with you? The eleven-year-old's been uh-huh. working out, and since he was four, um, and the the key to that is, and I, I put him on, I put him on the exercise machines. The key to that was um, not to push him into it. Right. Uh, I would bring him to work and show him around and show him the studio when he was young, and he'd say, "Dad, can I try this? Can I try that?" And I, I picked just a few exercises that I knew he could try because of his height and weight. And um, then I would never ask him to do it. I would always let him ask me to do it. And he's been consistent with it for uh, for seven years now. Um, That's and really great. It's good if you just stay back, take two steps back, and 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 Kinda not let them do their down. own thing. Right, because I don't want him to graduate high school and say, "Well, I'll never work out again now that my dad's not around." You know, right? To, to stand over me, I'd rather it be more of a. Just kind of a habit like brushing his teeth where he gets his strength training in during the week and it's not a big deal. So It's a great idea. It really is. Um, in your book, I want to go back to your book, mm-hmm. uh, you talk about daily to-do lists. Can you elaborate a little bit more about your thoughts about to-do lists? I like to get my to-do list down in the morning uh, or the night before, actually. Uh, before I go to bed, I sleep better knowing that I've got a list together for the next day. I'm going to try to check it all off and, and accomplish it. The secret to a really good to-do list is not to put too many things on it. Um, I've seen people who obsess a little too much with their to-do list, and they'll put 20 things on, and and, and you know we're not going to get more than, than five or seven things done. Right. So, so at the end of your day, you feel like you failed on 13 things, and that's not a good feeling. You can't go to bed the next night thinking that you failed. It's not a good night's sleep. You're going to toss and turn. It's not restful. It's not productive. If you could just limit yourself and put the most important things down and, and make sure they're realistic, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars tomorrow by noon. <laughs> All right. Maybe not realistic. Let's rethink this one. But, you know, make my bed, brush my teeth. I know those are given, but you know what? Put them down. If you put the obvious down, it kind of gets you on a roll. Exactly. And then, and then the one or two things that are later in the day that are, that are going to require some, you know, oomph, You've got momentum going, so you're good, and, and you're more likely to get through it. So I really believe in, and it, it, it comes back to goal setting. Definitely. This is goal, you know, a list is goal setting. You know, what do you want to accomplish tomorrow? But your goals need to be in check. Uh, when I tell people to take up a plank or a wall sit, and they they write to me and, and they say, you know, I'm really disgusted with what I saw. I, I did it for 12 seconds. I'm like, that's great. Do 13. Can you do another second tomorrow? 13 seconds. My my answer is always. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I could do 13 seconds. I, I could probably do 15 seconds, 15 seconds. Well, there's the positive. That's the po- the positive is great. Instead of Tina Joe saying, you know, I can't even do a push-up. That's a negative. I don't want to hear that you can't do a push-up. I want to hear how many seconds can you do in the plank. Exactly. Let's just focus on the positives. And the same with your to-do list. Let's just focus on the positives. What can you get done tomorrow? Write it down, bang it out, get it done. Let's do a little bit more the next day, Maybe. Or let's just do a comparable list and get that done as well. It's all good. It is all good. And I love that approach, Pete. It's really, you know, it's okay to take baby steps. Baby steps are great because they're steps. They're steps in the right direction. 
Exactly. So I think that's a fabulous approach. You also have a great approach to food. It's very straightforward, and you've got some really wonderful recipes in your book. Some raw, some not so raw, but they're all really balanced. And yes. I, I loved your dining out tips. Thank you. I yep. did. I really love that. Can you tell me a little bit about, a little bit more about your dining out tips? Sure. Well, my basic program is called the Real Food Diet, and it just comes down to if it's not real, don't put it in your mouth. And I want to condition people. There's many people out there that are that are you know raw foods are becoming more accepted. Raw food diets are becoming uh, more mainstream, and this is great. We want to get back to basics. Basics are not processed, no garbage, no problems. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that don't know about uh, adding raw foods to their diets. They don't even know where to start. Exactly. So I had, to, I had to give them a good place to start, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to complicate it. All you have to do to turn somebody off is just make it a little too complicated, and they're gone. They shut the book, put it back on their shelf, and walk away, and, and they won't pick it up again. So we, we had to simplify this. It, it, it was very important, and I, I consulted with some friends on this, and I would talk to clients and say, hey, you know, what did I do right to get you to lose some weight? And and they all came back to the same thing. They, you, you kept it simple for me. You didn't overwhelm me with stuff. So the real food diet is a great way to start a diet. Let's not count calories. Let's not measure anything out. Let's not, you know, who wants to do that? And then, you know what, who's going to do that? Nobody. Exactly. Right. Not even me. I won't. <laughs> and it, I, I've never done it. I've never measured my food, and I've never counted my calories. So if I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to ask you to do it. You know, Do unto others, right? Exactly. exactly. So the dining out tips, real simple. Go, go to your, you're going to go out for a restaurant. Go out to a restaurant. You're going to, you want to have a nice meal, and you want to have a nice time. Let's just go for the real foods. Let's go for stuff that's not uh, buried in a sauce. Uh, Personally, I'm going to go to a restaurant. I want to look and see what the fresh fish of, of the day is. I want to have a great salad. Um, there's usually a really nice appetizer. I want things as as um, not. Uh, I don't want to say processed. I want to say I don't want them burnt. Okay. I don't want I don't want things burned to death. I don't want my steak well done. I want I want to lean towards the raw foods. I want to lean towards. Um, having foods with their natural flavors come out. So I really don't need a lot of nonsense. So an appetizer could be just a great salad, gazpacho soup, um, a a tartare, tuna tartare would be wonderful. Uh, Again, not cooked, um, not overly done. Um, Then I usually, nine out of ten times, I'm going for a wild-caught salmon. If I can find that in a restaurant, that's great. It's a home run for me. I like a little wild-caught salmon. If not, uh, I'm going for a pretty exotic salad, and I want to—I want to, you know, just overwhelm it with lots of vegetables. That's always a really great way to go. So, the key to dining out is don't make a big deal out of it. And if you're sitting with people who are uh, want to have their steak and potatoes and macaroni and cheese, that's fine. That's their choice. I don't judge them, you know. And and I and I let them know, like, look, hey, I know I'm a health professional, and I know I'm a trainer. And but just because I'm sitting out with you doesn't mean you have to be. You do what you want, but I get to do what I want. So if I want to have a salad and I want to have a little sashimi, and that's it, that's my choice. Um, and I'm not going to judge you, and you don't judge me. And usually, when you put that out there, people will respect you for that, and they really, you know, leave you alone. And it really brings things down a level where there's no more tension about the whole dining experience. Exactly. Yeah, people, you kind of can uh, forget the guilt then. 
Yeah, you yeah. Don't, you, this doesn't need to be a competition. Exactly, exactly. And I think what happens sometimes, too, is, you know, people will go out to dinner, they'll be on this diet, they'll go out to dinner, and they'll have a baked potato or they'll have a, a, a piece of steak, and that will just set a pattern for bad behavior because they'll feel guilty about it. So they'll think, okay, because potato, now I can have that entire bag of potato chips. And now I can right. have, you know, three donuts to go with that. So I really liked your approach. Thank you. You're welcome. Let, let me add just a tiny bit more to that. It, people, you go out with friends all the time. Your friends come up from all different walks of life. They come from different religions, different backgrounds, different countries. And you could all sit at a table together and share a meal together, and that's no problem, right? Exactly. Okay, so your dietary habits shouldn't be a problem either. But the beauty of it is is that if you if you you could actually elevate your friends diets by not making a big deal out of it. If I sit down and I eat clean and healthy and I don't put any pressure on them to do that, they're going to go home that night and they're going to say, "You know, I really don't feel so great from, you know, the the alcohol and the the heavy heavy foods that I ate." You know, Pete, he looks pretty good. He keeps himself trim, his skin looks good and and he what he was eating tonight was much different than what I was eating and subconsciously they may gravitate towards what you're doing, and you didn't have to preach about it. Love that. So yeah. don't make a big deal about it. Just go out and do your thing. Be yourself, and you're going to feel really good about it. And eat some real food. Eat some real food. <laughs> eat some real food. Um, I have had some crazy jobs um, to get me to where I am today. You know, I had a 20-year career in ophthalmology. Um, I sold shoes. I worked at a vet's office. I worked as a maid in a hotel for a while. What are some of the crazy jobs you've had, Pete, to get you to oh, where you are today? God. <laughs> Come on, uh, Pete. Oh, All right, well, you know, I've got a one of my best friends in the whole world is my friend Mike. And uh -huh. Mike and I know each other for 15 years. Um, but back uh, 20 years ago, in 1988, I was one of the, of, of the Chippendales. <laughs> I and, love it. <laughs> and I happened to meet my first wife there. And uh, she, uh, and it's just something like, you know, we met, we dated, we got married. And yeah, okay, I was like one of the stars of the show. Great. <laughs> I just thought it would be tasteful not to make a big deal out of that. And if somebody ever asked, like, where did you two meet? I would say, hey, we met at a club just like you guys did. Just and dancing. Like, That's it. You know? It's just, it's not a lie. There's a lot of truth there, except I was doing the dancing and she wasn't. Um, so a lot of my best friends don't even know that. And I, I just kind of like downplayed it. Well, when we put the book out, and I would do some of these in-depth interviews. They really, you know, you got to be honest. You got to tell, like, if we ask a question, you got to give us, you know, my publisher would say, you got to give us honest answers. I'm, yeah, I'm all about honesty. So <laughs> I, I had to start fessing up to some of this stuff. And now I get emails all the time. So where's the pictures of you in Chippendales? And right. there, people are scouring the, uh, the internet looking for them. And they're out there. Oh, I'm so sure. Somebody will have one. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But yep, I was a Chippendale from 88 to 90. And uh, I was a Baccarat dealer at Caesars in Atlantic City back in 1981, uh, 82 actually. Um, I did that for four years. And I was saving up money there to open up my first gym, which, which was uh, South Shore Muscle and Fitness in Marmora, New Jersey. And that opened up in 1985, and that was a really great gig. And then I wanted to – I heard about personal training in New York City um, because personal training really didn't exist in too many places in the country in the early 80s. So I sold the gym and came up to New York 
and worked at Chippendales to save up money to uh, to get my personal training business going here. So by 1990, I was full swing personal training um, and totally professional with it. So that's amazing. Well, God bless Chippendales because they got you to where you are. <laughs> so hoo-ha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. So it was you, fun. You were going to tell me a little bit about a secret project that you've got going on. Got a secret project. It's pretty exciting stuff. It's going to revolutionize publishing. And it's not my project. It's Simon & Schuster's project. They've put a lot into this. I can't tell you what it is until October 1st. But on October 1st, I can give you specific details and point you to websites and all kinds of information on how you can check this out. But it's it's going to take reading a book to a whole new level. And it's going to really involve, uh, a lot more people. It's, it's just amazing. Um, and I'm not allowed to give details on it, but, uh, let me tell you, on October 1st, you're going to want to know about this. And I'm hoping that you'll check back with me and let me, let me point you in the right direction so you can go to the internet and find out more about it. Um, cause it's going to be really, really exciting stuff. And I am one of the first authors to do this. Fabulous. Well, October 1st, can we, can we, can I make another phone call to you? Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Wonderful. We're going to we're going to be on the phone with people all day on October 1st, um, letting them know all about it. We, we got everybody all lined up and we want to put you in there as well. It's very exciting. <laughs> I love secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pete, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and thank you for talking to me. I adore you. I think your book is magnificent. So make sure you pick up the 90-second fitness solution. And Pete, if people want more information, where should they go? More information about you. Well, you can go to Simon & Schuster's website, uh, simonandschuster.com, and that's one place you can find out about any any author that you like. Um, uh, You can go to my website, which is 90secondfitness.com, 90-secondfitness.com, and you can even just Google me, Pete Serqua, or you can Google 90-second fitness, and you'll find about 40 million results and that's not that's not an exaggerated number. That's really it. About 40 million results on, on me and 90 Second Fitness, and I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. You're a phenomenal guy, Pete. Thank you so much for taking some time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Bye for now. Okay, Pete, you there? I'm here. Okay, wonderful. You are so fantastic. Thank <laughs> you. This was great. Thank you. I could you. talk with you for hours. Oh, I love your voice. You're so sweet. I love yours, too. You're wonderful. You should- you should do this professionally. I've been on the phone with – I've done probably 200 interviews in the last nine months, ten months now, and you've definitely got got a voice for this. Well, thank so. you. Thank you so much. I'm really – I'm just – I'm very humbled. I, I am so um, thankful that you just took out some time to – to share this information with us, really. A- absolutely, my pleasure. Send me any links that you want when it's posted, and I will pass it around to 50,000 of my closest friends. The bomb. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, I wanted to ask you, do you mind if I take one of the um, videos a- or no. a video? Anything that's out there publicly, you're welcome to. Okay. Is there anything specific that you would prefer? Yeah. It's, um, Barnes & Noble did a really nice piece on me back in January. It's um, it's called Tagged. Oh, T-H- I saw that. That's yep. nice. Yeah. With Molly Pesci, the, the, the lead-in and the promo to it, and the, uh, the interview was really good. Okay. Really good stuff. And Molly was really great. Um, I think those are really, really very user-friendly. Okay. I'll, I'll use that one. That one cracked me up. Good. Okay, that's what I said. That's my PD. <laughs> uh-huh. So we're going to do TV. We're doing TV together next, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. That will be awesome.
we can get in the kitchen and make some avocado dinners and stuff like I that. I know. I saw your little recipe there for your um, your avocado that you like. Slip it in there and they'll they'll try it. I will. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to make that. Cool. I'll make that and I'll 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 tell them that it's your di- your dish. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Right. Thank Wonderful. you, Pete. Have a wonderful wonderful day, my friend. You too. We'll be in touch. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.